0: Teresa Jimmy Francine Knorr, formerly known as Teresa Cross, was born on March 14, 1946, in Sacramento, California. She gained notoriety as an American woman who was found guilty of heinous crimes involving the torture and murder of two of her six children. Disturbingly, she also involved her other children in facilitating and concealing her acts. Although she was acquitted of the murder of her first husband, Teresa Noor is currently serving consecutive life sentences at the California Institution for Women in Chino, California. Early life, Teresa Noor's childhood began in Sacramento, California, as the younger of two daughters born to Swanee Gay, formerly Myers, and James Jim Cross. Prior to her birth, Teresa's mother had two children from a previous marriage. Her father worked as an assistant cheesemaker at a local dairy, and managed to save enough money to purchase a house in Rio Linda, marking a significant milestone for the family. However, in the late 1950s, tragedy struck when Jim Cross was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, forcing him to leave his job. This event deeply affected him, leading to depression and an unfortunate pattern of taking out his frustrations and anger on his own family. Swanee Cross, Teresa's mother, took on the responsibility of supporting the family financially during this challenging time. Teresa shared a particularly close bond with her mother and suffered immense grief when her mother passed away from congestive heart failure in March 1961. Unable to sustain the family home after this loss, Teresa's father made the difficult decision to sell the house. Marriages on September 29, 1962, Teresa, a 16-year-old, entered into marriage with Clifford Clyde Sanders, a man five years her senior whom she had met a few months earlier. Abandoning her education, she soon became pregnant and gave birth to her first child, Howard Clyde Sanders, on July 16, 1963. Their marriage was tumultuous, marked by possessiveness on Teresa's part, with repeated accusations of infidelity against Sanders. The couple engaged in frequent arguments, and on June 22nd, 1964, during one such altercation, Teresa claimed that Sanders had struck her in the face. Although she reported the incident to the police, she chose not to press charges, resulting in the assault charges being dropped. On July 6, 1964, The day after Sanders' birthday, an argument ensued between the couple when he spent his birthday with friends rather than at home. In the midst of this disagreement, Sanders informed Teresa of his intention to leave her. Enraged by this news, Teresa fired a rifle at Sanders as he was leaving, shooting him in the back. Teresa was arrested and faced charges of murdering Sanders. Pleading not guilty, she argued that her actions were in self-defense. During her trial, Teresa, who was pregnant with her second child, claimed that she had resorted to shooting Sanders due to his alcoholism and history of physical abuse towards her. Testimonies from several of Sanders' relatives contradicted Teresa's claims of violence and abuse. The prosecution argued that Teresa had killed Sanders maliciously and without provocation. Even Teresa's older sister testified against her, stating that Teresa's possessiveness and jealousy were such that she would kill Sanders before allowing another woman to have him. On September 22, 1964, Teresa was acquitted of the murder charge. She gave birth to her second child, Sheila Gay Sanders, on March 16, 1965. Following Sheila's birth, Teresa developed a heavy drinking habit, she frequently visited the local American Legion Hall, where she met Estelle L. Thornsbury, a disabled United States Army veteran. They began a relationship and eventually moved in together. During this time, Teresa often left her children with Thornsbury while she indulged in drinking escapades. However, Thornsbury became suspicious when Teresa would disappear for days on end, leading to the termination of their relationship a few months later after he discovered her affair with his best friend. Shortly after the end of this relationship, Teresa met and started a romantic involvement with Robert Knorr, a United States Marine Corps private. She soon became pregnant, and the couple got married on July 9, 1966. On September 27, 1966, Teresa gave birth to her third child, Susan Marlene Knorr. Over time, the couple had three more children William Robert Knorr on September 15, 1967. Robert Wallace Knorr, Jr., on December 31, 1968, and Teresa Terry Marie Knorr on August 5, 1970. However, the marriage between Teresa and Robert deteriorated when she began accusing him of infidelity. Both spouses exhibited volatile behavior, frequently engaging in physical altercations with each other and the children. Frustrated with Teresa's incessant accusations, Robert left her in December 1970 and was granted a divorce in 1971. Despite his attempts to maintain contact with his children, Teresa obstructed his access to them. Teresa went on to marry twice more. In 1971, she married Ronald Pulliam, a railroad worker, but their marriage crumbled when she started leaving their children with him while she spent nights out drinking and partying. Pulliam divorced her in 1972, having become convinced of her infidelity. Her final marriage was to Chester Chet Harris, a copy editor at the Sacramento Union, whom she married in August 1976. Teresa's daughter Susan developed a close bond with Harris, which fueled Teresa's jealousy. In November 1976, Teresa initiated divorce proceedings against Harris, reportedly upon discovering that he enjoyed taking consensual nude photographs of women. Child abuse, Teresa Knorr subjected her children to physical, verbal, and psychological abuse, which intensified following her fourth divorce. During this period, she experienced significant weight gain and became extremely reclusive, disconnecting the home phone and denying her children any visitors. Initially residing in Orangevale, California, Knorr and her children eventually moved to a cramped two-bedroom apartment in Sacramento. Notably, her eldest son, Howard, had already left home prior to the relocation. Neighbors reported a filthy living environment in the Sacramento apartment, accompanied by a strong urine odor. The children, who were never allowed outside, displayed signs of fear, nervousness, and heightened tension, as observed by the neighbors. Over a prolonged period, nor subjected her children to various forms of abuse and torture. She physically assaulted them, force-fed them, burned them with cigarettes, and even hurled knives at them. In particularly horrifying instances, Noor forced her children to restrain each other while she inflicted further harm. At one point, she held a gun to her youngest daughter, Terry's head, threatening her life. Nor primarily directed her anger and abuse towards Terry's older sisters, Sheila and Susan. Terry later revealed in an interview that her mother harbored resentment towards Sheila and Susan as they were maturing into attractive young women, while Noor herself feared losing her own looks as she aged. Furthermore, Noor believed that her fourth husband, Chet Harris, had transformed Susan into a witch, exacerbating the intensity of her abuse towards her. After a particularly brutal beating, Susan escaped from home, prompting her to be apprehended by the police and placed in a psychiatric hospital. There, she disclosed the abuse inflicted by her mother to the staff. However, Noor vehemently denied these allegations and instead insisted that Suissan suffered from mental issues. Unfortunately, authorities did not further investigate the matter and returned Suissan to her mother's custody. In response, Noor immediately punished Suissan by beating her while wearing leather gloves, coercing her siblings to take turns in the assault. Subsequently, Noor handcuffed Susan to the kitchen table and assigned her other children to monitor her continuously. She forced Susan to abandon her education, isolating her within the confines of the house. Noor also withdrew her other children from school, resulting in most of them failing to progress beyond the eighth grade. Susan's death. For a period of two years, Gnor subjected Suisan to unimaginable cruelty by shackling her beneath the dining room table. Suisan endured tremendous suffering, only occasionally receiving hand-fed meals, but always with a mouth gag in place. Overwhelmed by the torment, Suisan pleaded with her mother for release. However, the next morning, Gnor descended into a psychotic frenzy, violently striking all her children. Briefly uncuffing Susan, Noor entrusted Terry with a gun, instructing him to ensure she remained motionless. As Noor and the other children busied themselves in the kitchen preparing oatmeal, a sudden noise startled Terry, causing the gun to discharge and strike Susan. Without hesitation, Noor promptly rechained her beneath the dining room table. Astonishingly, her response to her daughter's desperate pleas for medical attention as she bled profusely, was merely annoyance at the blood staining the carpet. Noor resolved to nurse Susan back to health, enlisting the assistance of the other children. Despite surviving the shooting, Susan's life took a tragic turn when Robert, at Noor's request, attempted to remove the bullet, resulting in infection and sepsis. On July 16, 1984, Noor packed all of Susan's belongings into garbage bags, after restraining Susan's arms and legs and sealing her mouth with duct tape, Noor commanded her sons Robert and William to place Susan in their car. They drove to Squaw Valley, where Robert and William left her by the roadside atop the bags containing her belongings. Noor proceeded to douse both the bags and Susan, who was still alive, in gasoline before setting them ablaze. Susan's charred remains were discovered the following day, in such a state that positive identification could not be established. Consequently, she was classified as a Jane Doe homicide case, identified as hash 4873-84. Sheila's death, after Susan's demise, Noor's focus of anger and abuse shifted towards her daughter Sheila. In May 1985, she coerced Sheila into engaging in prostitution to financially support the family. Despite not working herself, Noor received unemployment benefits from the state of California. She found satisfaction in this arrangement, as Sheila earned substantial amounts of money, which allowed her the freedom to leave the house whenever she pleased. However, this twisted dynamic soon took a darker turn. After a few weeks, Noor grew enraged and falsely accused Sheila of being pregnant and contracting a sexually transmitted disease, which Nora claimed she acquired from Sheila through a toilet seat. When Sheila denied these allegations, Noor resorted to violence. She beat Sheila, bound her limbs, and confined her in a stifling closet devoid of ventilation. Noor went further by forbidding her other children from providing food or water to Sheila or opening the closet door. In defiance of her mother's orders, Terry secretly gave Sheila a beer. Reflecting on the situation, Terry later shared, She, Teresa, wanted Sheila to confess. That was mother's way. Beat them until they confess. In an attempt to end the torment, Sheila eventually confessed to being pregnant and having an STD. However, Nor dismissed her confession as a lie and refused to release her from the closet. Three days later, on June 21, 1985, Sheila succumbed to dehydration and starvation, sealed within that dreadful space. Nor callously left Sheila's lifeless body in the closet for an additional three days until its discovery. Instructing her sons, William and Robert, she ordered them to dispose of their sister's decomposing remains, which emitted a putrid odor throughout the apartment. The boys placed Sheila's body in a cardboard box and discarded it near Truckee Tahoe Airport. A few hours later, Sheila's body was found, but it was never positively identified and authorities classified her as Jane Doe Hash six thousand six hundred seven hundred eighty five. Despite removing Sheila's body from the closet, the foul stench of decomposition persisted in the apartment. Nor grew apprehensive that the lingering smell and physical evidence in the closet could implicate her in Sheila's death. Consequently, on September 29, 1986, she orchestrated the removal of the family's belongings from the apartment and instructed Terry to set fire to the residence, erasing any remaining evidence. Under the cover of night, Terry doused the apartment floor with three containers of lighter fluid and ignited it. However, neighbors promptly reported the fire, limiting its damage. Remarkably, the closet where Sheila had tragically perished remained unharmed. Following Noor's arrest, investigators dismantled the subfloor of the closet to gather potential physical evidence. After vacating the Sacramento apartment, Noor disappeared into hiding. Her sons, Howard and William, now of legal age, completely severed ties with her. Additionally, 16 year old Terry managed to escape her mother's grasp and assumed Sheila's identification card to pass herself off as an adult. The sole child who remained with Noor was 19 year old Robert. Jr. Together, Noor and Robert, Jr. relocated to Las Vegas, Nevada, striving to maintain a low profile. However, in November 1991, Robert Noor, Jr. was arrested for fatally shooting a bartender during an attempted robbery at a Las Vegas bar. He received a 16-year prison sentence. Shortly after Robert Jr.'s arrest, Noor left Las Vegas and resettled in Salt Lake City, Utah. Arrests and convictions. After fleeing from her mother, Terry made an effort to report the murders of her sisters to the Utah police. Unfortunately, they dismissed her accounts as fictional, a response echoed by a therapist she consulted. However, on October 28, 1993, Terry reached out to the hotline for the Fox television program America's Most Wanted. She was advised to contact detectives in Placer County, California, where Suezon's body had been discovered. The detectives in Placer County took her claims seriously and initiated an investigation. They soon established a connection between the detailed narratives Terry provided regarding her sister's deaths and the two Jane Doe's found in the area in 1984 and 1985. Consequently, William Knorr, who had been residing and working in Woodland, California, was arrested on November 4, 1993. Meanwhile, Robert Knorr Jr., who was already serving a 16 year sentence in an Eli Nevada prison, was charged with the murders of his sisters. On November 10, 1993, Noor herself was apprehended at her residence in Salt Lake City. At the time of her arrest, she was utilizing her maiden name, Cross, and working as a caregiver for her landlord's 86-year-old mother. Subsequently, on November 15th, 1993, Teresa Noor faced charges of two counts of murder, two counts of conspiracy to commit murder, and two special circumstances charges, multiple murder and murder by torture. Initially pleading not guilty, Nor later struck a deal with the prosecution upon learning that her son, Robert Jr., had agreed to testify against her in exchange for a reduced sentence. She pleaded guilty on the condition of avoiding the death penalty. Consequently, on October 17, 1995, Nor received two consecutive life sentences. She is currently incarcerated at California Institution for Women in Chino, California. Nor's parole hearing occurred in July 2019 but her release was denied. Her next parole hearing is scheduled for July 2024. William Knorr, on the other hand, received probation and was ordered to undergo therapy for his involvement in the murder of his sister, Susan. In exchange for his testimony, the prosecution dropped all charges against Robert Knorr Jr., except for one count of being an accessory after the fact in relation to Sheila's murder. Robert Jr. pleaded guilty to the charge and received a three-year prison sentence, which he served concurrently with his 16-year sentence in Nevada. Aftermath. In the wake of Noor's arrest, law enforcement made the decision to reopen the murder investigation into Rosemary Noor Norris, the sister of Teresa. Norris had been discovered strangled to death in 1983 at the end of a secluded road in Placer County, shortly after she had gone grocery shopping in Sacramento. However, the police eventually determined that Noor was not involved in Norris's tragic demise. After leaving her mother's residence, Terry Noor embarked on two marriages and eventually settled in Sandy, Utah, where she resided with her second husband. Terry worked as a cashier in a local grocery store, which happened to be situated in the same neighborhood where her mother had also lived and worked before her arrest. Interestingly, Teresa and Terry were unaware of their close proximity and had no contact with each other. Regrettably, Terry Knorr passed away at the age of 41 in 2011.